Welcome to Spiritual Fertility. I am your host, Allison Buckland. I am a mother to a miracle and a highly intuitive and transformational teacher, coach, and healer. I believe that each of our life experiences shape us, providing valuable lessons from which we can transform, expand, and evolve in this lifetime. When we are armed with the right tools to bring about our own self-awareness and shine a light upon some of our most darkest experiences, we then begin to experience an awakening and rebirth, a reinvention of ourselves and the conscious awareness to take action and co-create the path ahead. Join me each week and listen in to hear my guests' impactful stories along with their empowering tools to ignite and inspire. I'm providing a supportive, fun, and collaborative space to collectively initiate and motivate change within you, spark your curiosity, and bring hope and inspiration to your own soul's path. I'm excited for you to join me and see what we can discover. Hi, and welcome to Spiritual Fertility. This is Allison Buckland, and I am so excited for this conversation that, first of all, has definitely been on my heart uh, since I brought this podcast to fruition and I reached out to my next guest and I'm so happy that she agreed to come on and speak with me so that we can share her story with all of you. And before we do that and before I introduce her to you to share her miracle of a motherhood story, I want to take the opportunity to share the intention that uh, we discussed and that I'd like to come forth for this episode is that we can have a plan and we can have a, a feeling and a desire for how we want our motherhood journey to go. However, really to be open to be open to the guidance that comes through for each of you and how that's going to show up because it can show up in very different ways and it may not look like exactly as we have planned, but in the end, it ends up being exactly as it's supposed to be. And so my next guest for this week's episode is my friend Alexis. And we have known each other for many years now. And uh, Alexis is the sister of another one of my friends. And I knew that I wanted her to share her story. So I'm going to ask her to introduce herself and then also share with you how she was led and how she was divinely guided to motherhood because it didn't look like how she had planned. So Alexis, why don't you share that with the listeners? Sure. Um, so hi, everyone. Thanks, Allison, for having me on. Um, as Allison said, I, I've i always known I was to be a mother. Uh, it's just like one of those things that deep down I knew. And I would say I was, I was raised in a Christian home. And at an early age, my mom would volunteer with a crisis pregnancy center through our church. And um, that crisis pregnancy center would work with women in a hard place, uh, whether they, you know, help them get on their feet and parent, or they help them, um, you know, connect with an adoption agency and choose an adoption plan for their children. So I was aware of the concept of adoption at a, at a young age. And I always just like, thought within my heart, like, Oh, I will, I will adopt someday. Um, what I expected that to look like was that I would get married. Um, my husband and I would have biological children and then 
I would adopt, right? Um, well, today I sit here, 39, and I am a single mother of two of the most precious little boys, a four-year-old and a one-year-old. So I got to a place in my life where uh, a husband was not coming around. Um, and I would look around with different women in my life, especially th through work or whatnot. And I'd see these women parenting single who did not have my means, did not have the support system um, or just, you know, different places of life. And they parented kind of when I was about 30 or so, I really felt that God put in my heart, like, Hey, if by the time you're 35, you should move back to Pennsylvania, which at the time I was living in the DC area to be near family. And then you should adopt at 35. So I got to a point where I, I just, that was like a strong, like God put that on my heart and I'm like, okay, it sounds crazy, but we won't get there. I'll find somebody or, you know, uh. <laughs> right. I'm sure that was you, when that comes through in your guidance, in your prayer, in your intuition, in your quiet moments that you are recognizing, okay, spirit. I mean, and it's very specific because we can recognize and we can hear the presence of spirit speaking to us and that guidance that comes through. I fully understand that. But then you hear this and you're like, well, um, sure. Okay. I can, uh, yeah. So that came through for you and you're like, okay, if you're 30 at the time and you're starting to hear these messages. And so then you kind of still thought that it was going to go as you had planned but that didn't happen. And then the time comes and you're 35. Yeah. So I, it was probably maybe like 33 or so. I thought, okay, well, no, no future husbands in the, in the picture. And I thought, well, maybe I'll go ahead and start working on moving to Pennsylvania. And maybe I'm the one that said 35, not God. And like I'll move there, get settled and then start the adoption process. So I started applying for jobs. I had an interview. It went well, went through all the rounds, got the job offer. And the very next day, my dream job company calls me out of nowhere who I'd interviewed with a couple years back. And they're like, Hey, we have a position for you. And I'm like, great. They're like, we're doing an expansion XYZ. I'm like, great. Is there a position in Pennsylvania? They said, no, it's in DC. And I said, oh, well, I'm moving to Pennsylvania. So, uh, well, it was, again, it was my dream job. It's something I had wanted to do since I was little and I couldn't turn it down. So that was God like halting my plans again and saying like, no, I need you here. So I stayed in DC. That job ended like a year and a half or so later. And I found my current job and company shortly after that. And I started getting to a point where I started having conversations with some friends and just like, Hey, you guys really put this on my heart. I'm praying about it. It's really scary. Um, one friend in particular, uh, she and her husband were experiencing infertility and she had shared with me that they were starting the adoption process for international adoption. And so that was like, I was like, so surprised of her. Another friend, um, her and her husband were experiencing infertility. I was pushing them towards adoption. Oh, I, this is on my heart for me to push her towards adoption, right? Um, we even attended an agency meeting together. And I remember sitting with her one night and just like crying and said, she's like, well, like, what do you like? I was like, one, this is scary. And like two of the things sorry, were that I wasn't your family and who would watch the baby. So 
that was like the start of 2018. I'll say that. And within months, like five to six couples or families from my church moved into my neighborhood. So I'm like, there's God being like, okay, you don't have family. Here's family. Not how I thought it was. Yeah. I thought it was gonna be my family in Pennsylvania. No, it was my church family. So that was really cool. And then the friend that was um, adopting internationally, one time we were talking and she's like, hey, when you adopt, if and when you adopt, like, I'll watch your baby, I'm going to stay home. And I'm like, okay, there was like another thing. God was just like, kept saying to me, like, are you going to trust me? Are you going to trust me? Are you going to trust me? So um, yeah, so that was, um, that was finally it. And by, by summer of 2018, I started like, I really started doing all the research, went to agency meeting, the same friend adopting internationally had told me, Hey, you should check out these adoption consultants. It uh, essentially like pieces together the process differently than you just going to one agency in your town and then starting everything from start to finish the consultant route uh, kind of like pieces the process together because there are many components like your home study and then it connects you with agencies kind of all over the United States if you want to so that you're looking at in a sense cases from multiple agencies across across the U.S. and states that are a little bit more um, adoption friendly and whatnot so again that just the tip off I as soon as I talked to the consultant I knew like that was the route I I needed to go, but I talked to her truly before Labor Day, Labor Day weekend out of, I told both my sisters already. And I said, I just need to talk to my parents before I sign up and start this process just out of respect for them. So I pulled them aside Labor Day weekend and said, we need to talk. Um, and they were, yeah, just because it's scary, right? Like, hey, this is, this is a huge life change. Like my life's going to look very different. Um, they were very supportive and, you know, like, okay, this is, you've thought it through, you've done your research and yeah. I mean, again, like they were not that they would have said, no, you shouldn't do this, but they were very supportive. And so like that was Labor Day of 2018. And I got back from that weekend, signed up with the consultants and 10 months to the day later, my oldest was born. Wow. Wow. So, I mean, you happen to, it's, it's so funny how we kind of make that decision or maybe even subconsciously kind of make that decision but we're sort of aware of it. And then the things start falling into place as really signs. Like, okay, this is a sign. Like it's the job that I've always wanted. Okay, maybe I need to stay here. Okay, um, I don't have the support of my family here. It's not what I plan, but I do have my church family that's moving in. I have the support here. I have people to check out and investigate this process with so that I have that support. So that's really, um, quite amazing how that ended up unfolding and especially how it came to be. So how did you know, I mean, through your church, I mean, was that played a big part in helping connect you with the, even the different agencies? So anybody out there who's listening, who's considering adopting, I mean, even just you speaking about how there are states that are more friendly adoption friendly than other states. I mean, like that's a consideration, I guess, until you're in it, you learn, I guess, as you go with how it goes. Is that how it went for you? Yeah. So it, I guess the biggest starting point is there's essentially three different ways that you can adopt. Uh, the first, what I did was domestic infant adoption. So here in the United States, domestic infant adoption through an agency. There is international adoption, which again, you'd want to pick an agency that works specifically with certain countries that you'd want to adopt from or educate yourself on different countries. Um, and then the third would be, um, you know, you could fo do foster care. And sometimes that 
is a re result of that is adoption or, you know, that's just another way to, to parent and or, you know, support the whole adoption process would be to be a foster parent, um, which again, can end, end in adoption sometimes. So uh, that's where you start, right? Like you figure out like, okay, which, which is the right route for me? And like, you'd investigate that and figure that out for me. I figured like domestic infant adoption was the route for me. So then I started uh, like researching different agencies and like versus the, in the state I was in or whatnot. And then like, again, somebody mentioned, Hey, you should look into consultants. So I used a consultant. And at that point, like there's so many multi steps to the process, but basically the consultants is exactly what the term is. They consult to you through the whole process and they have relationships with agencies. So like the first start, is the home study process. Like basically your state approving that you're fit to parent. So they connect you with different home study providers in your area and you pick one of those and then you pay that home study provider to do your home study. Then the next step would be, um, you know, you put together a book about your life that shows that like a, that expectant parents would look at to say like, is this the family that I want to choose to raise my child? And so they either like guide you through making that or put you in contact with somebody that can make it and then getting on agencies list. So you're with multiple agencies. Um, I think I, the first go around is with agency in Florida and Arizona and Louisiana. And when I say adoption friendly, kind of a, an interesting term in the sense of like certain states will, once the birth mother or parents choose to place, they sign their consent. Sometimes once that consent is signed, it's irrevocable. Uh, other times they sign and there's a seven day revocation period where they can change their mind or whatnot. So um, like some states are 30 days. Well, if you look at that at the end of the day, like 30 days is not helpful for the adoptive parents or the birth parents, because every day they're waking up saying, did I make the right choice? And then the adoptive parents are, you know, with the child and like at any moment, could this child be taken from me and whatnot? So it's hard on it. Adoption is as beautiful as it is. It's also very heart wrenching and heartbreaking. So it's, it's emotional, but yeah. So there, that, that, that point after home study, you get a book and then you get on some agencies lists. So that at that point, what the agencies do is um, send cases. So they'll be working with expecting mom or expecting parents. And they've chosen that, Hey, I, I think that I want an adoption plan. And they'll, the agency would do like a little write up explaining their situation. Sometimes it's a lot of details. Sometimes it's not a lot of details and they'd email it out to their list of criteria that like the, the expecting parents have a criteria. Like I would like them to live here. I want, I want a single mom. I want, I only want a heterosexual couple. I want, you know, them to be in education is important. I want a stay at home parent. I want a certain race, like different things that they are allowed to have preferences. So then at that point, the agency would send it to people in their list that fit that preference if they have. And then as the expectant or as the adoptive parent, you read through that and you say like, yes, I am okay with all of this. And if that birth parent picks me, then that you're committed to that child. Uh, for, and then you start working directly with that agency that that birth mothers. So, so yeah, so um, that year with my oldest, is this what you want me to kind of go into? Yeah, let's go into that. Let's go. And then I will say just for the sake of privacy, um, Alexis won't be sharing um, the names of her sons because this is going to be out there forever and not for fear of anything, just because, you know, out of respect for them and out of respect for the birth mother and out of respect for all those involved. Um, I just want to preface that. And then also in the future, if anybody who's listening to this 
really um, finds that they are inspired and would like to reach out to Alexis, they can do so through me. So I won't be sharing really any of her contact information publicly. But um, yes, tell me, tell us, I've heard this story and this it is just both of them are just so amazing. So tell us about your oldest and what happened with that process. So um, I got done with my home study. That was again, I signed up Labor Day. My family had a big trip planned at the end of the year. So I was like, let me get my home study and book done and everything. And then I'll like January be ready to go. Well, it was done all done in middle October. And I started getting cases and reading them but they were babies due, due ahead of time uh, before before the new year. But um, so I really got started early January or December even. Um, and I'd see a case come through and I'd say, yeah, let me let this mom consider me. And understanding that like I'm not a traditional household. And if you look at a adorable couple with like the perfect house and that the other, like, again, like I said, adoption is very, it's a beautiful thing, but it's also really heart wrenching. And you're, I'm, I wasn't looking at cases of like pregnant teenagers, right? Like these were cases of broken situations, trauma. Um, they're not usually, you're not in that place because everything's going well. Right. So that was one thing that was like, not surprising, but like takes you into a world sometimes you didn't even know existed. Given I knew I'd probably have to present myself a lot of times because I'm like, I'm not the traditional, but I'm like, there will be a mom out there that's like, maybe been burned by Ben or I don't know that just like sees me and like I'm like I have a lot of love to give and I've got a huge family and support system with a lot of love to give so that person will come along right so I I would you know say yes to this mom considering me and like the next few days I'd be refreshing email and like waiting to see like did they pick me or not um did that about seven times there was this one case where um I'm like oh I just I just felt like deep down I'm like this is this could like be it, but she didn't pick me. Then like a couple like weeks later or so, the case came back up. Um, the family she had matched with uh, backed out, which you don't do, but she did. Um, so second go around, this mom picked me. Um, she was due with a, a baby boy in April of that year and her and I connected. We met and it was great. And uh, she just was so sure like this is, you, you know, the baby had smiled on a sonogram right when the tech had asked her like, hey, what are you going to name him? And um, he, she said, I don't feel right naming another woman's baby. And then the baby smiled. So it's just like she had the reassurance moments I had the reassurance moments or whatnot so my family planned a baby shower and we were waiting for baby in middle of April so um her due date came around and like her and I had been texting and communicating and we thought it was a good idea for like me to me and my my mom and I flew down to be there so when she went into labor that and she was very open to like me being in the delivery room and whatnot and went to an appointment with her uh on her due date and the next day we were she had another appointment. So I was meeting her back at the hospital and as I was like pulling into the hospital the next day, uh, they, the attorney called and said, um, she changed her mind. So that was hard because yeah. Uh, I mean, that's the only thing that I can equate that to because I know your story is having a miscarriage. I mean, because you were, you were pregnant I mean, not pregnant, physically pregnant, but emotionally and spiritually pregnant. And so you're in the mix and that happens. Oh, right. One of the lowest lows I can imagine. Yeah. And then you're, you're getting naturally, I mean, for a woman to experience that loss 
I mean, and I understand completely because you're in there, you see the sonogram, you see the baby smile, you're set and ready for it. And then, um, and that um, loss happens. So you had to endure that. And you go into this process knowing that is very much a reality because like, it's very much her child, like her baby, she has the right, even after the baby's born or not to make that choice. So um, it didn't make any sense to me. Again, I was like, God, like, all the signs pointed to this being it, right? Um, but at the end of the day, I like could take away from it. There's two things that this side of it I can see. Um, my oldest son's birth mom chose me because that happened, because my heart had been broken and the agency um, had shared that that happened. And she was very much in a place like very gracious um, and chose me because of it. Uh, uh, the second thing is I'm like, that little boy, was prayed for by so many people um, that he won't even ever know that that existed or happened. And same with the mom um, too. So, uh, right. Perspective is everything. Perspective really is everything when you're outside of it. And so you never know when you're in the midst of that storm, what the other side is. But um, so, and I didn't know that. So that's one of the reasons why your oldest son's birth mom did choose you. So, um, so you had to come home and grieving that loss. Yeah. So, um, came home, empty, empty car seat, crib, everything set up, ready to go. Uh, it was hard. Baby shower canceled. Um, but as I was at the, uh, attorney's office the next day, cause I had to go over to their office. Um, they said, Oh, we have this other mom that I think that, I think you guys would like really connect. I think she would connect with you and your story but at that moment I was like not ready to hear it I'm like I'm not there um so they're like we, we have some time till we're gonna send her case out and you know xyz so uh they sent her case out and I'm like okay mm -hmm. here we go I'll try again and um then like a couple days later I got the call that she picked me so once again I oh wow yeah yeah so but it was hard to be excited. Like everybody else in my life was like, everybody else in my life was like so excited. I'm like, I'm glad you guys are excited. I can't, I can't get there. Right. Like, cause I have to put up this like protective wall. Um, so she was due middle of July. Uh, it's May at this point and, um, flew to meet, to meet her phenomenal meeting. I love her. I love her in a way that I cannot describe. Uh, but again, I talked about her graciousness. Um, she looked at me at the end of our meeting and was like, I don't want you to be worried that what happened with the last one is going to happen with this. Like, I know that God has, and she's like touching her stomach. I know this God, God has this baby for me to bring to life to be yours. And like for a woman to say that, I mean, again, her graciousness. And I will just say like, I think a misconception with adoption and and nothing against anybody that's ever said this or whatnot to ever be like, oh, you were meant to be their the boy's mom and you were meant to be like, it, it's all meant to be and this, that, and the other. And I'm like, at the end of the day, I don't think that I was meant to be my boy's moms because I don't think that God wants broken families, right? Like that's not his ideal plan. His plan is not for brokenness, but in adoption, there's much brokenness, but God is a God of redemption and grace and he is sovereign. And because of that, because of his graciousness, like I am my boy's mom. So in this scenario, like, I think she saw that too. And like, 
she didn't want to be in a position where she had to be placing a child for adoption, but um, she, she knew that that was, that was her, that was where she was. And um, yeah, so it was, she's again, great. Um, So yeah. So then, then the waiting till she went into labor took place and should I go on or is there anything else? to say? Um, Yes. Tell us, tell us that story. So she was due mid July and had a couple of things coming up. It was like 4th of July. I was going away. And then from that trip, driving to the beach with my family. So I packed my car ready for at any moment, like I could get a call that she's in labor. So, uh, July 3rd of 2019, I spent the day on the lake with friends and had a great day and we are getting ready for dinner. And a friend and I ran to Costco and I'm driving, driving back from Costco and got the call that, Hey, she's in labor. So threw everything in my car and I was about six hours away from where she was and she had fast labors prior. So I didn't expect to get there in time, but she gave birth and called me right after he was born. So I could hear his first cries again, super gracious. Um, and then I got to the hospital three hours after he was born. And, uh, the whole plan all along was that my mom would be with me and we'd fly together and, but that didn't happen. So thankfully I had a friend that was, um, in the military that was in that town that I had met when I lived in DC. And so I called him and I'm like, Hey, would you go to the hospital with me in the middle of the night? Like she gave birth and I expect my mom to be there and I want somebody to videotape, you know, us meeting and he was like, I'd be honored. You know, so, uh, so he went with me and, um, I walked into the room and, uh, his birth mom, like, again, just her graciousness was like, Mama, here is your son. Oh. I'm like handed him. Okay. So, um, and I was so excited. I wasn't emotional. It was like all like, ah! so. Yeah. Oh my goodness! And then you're like, okay, yeah, I have this baby. Mm-hmm. And then how long? How long? Because you had to stay in that state, um, and for like the time being, I recall for things to get like finalized before you, yeah, brought him home. Yeah. So. Um, in that state, uh, irrevocable consent can be signed by birth mom at 48 hours after birth or when she's ready to be discharged. So whichever happens first. Um, so from the hospital, like I was given my own room with, with him and she had her own room and, um, then my mom got there the next day and she, um, signed consent and then the attorneys came over and, oh, and then birth father signed consent and then the attorneys came over and, placed him in my guard, like they were guardians, but legally placed him with me. Um, and everything's not, everything's supposed to go through court. So you've got like a period, but at that point of like irrevocable consent, like that's pretty much like a done deal. Um, so, uh, then like inter, they call it interstate compact pl- placement compact, um, ICPC. So that state has to clear you to leave and your state has to clear you to come in. And so that takes some time. So you just mm-hmm. like my mom and I hung out and waited until we got state clearance. And then at that point we could head back home. So yeah, but it, was, it was a whirlwind. Yay. And right. And now you're a mama. I mean, you were, you had that mother energy. I mean, as soon as you start, like you're a mother yeah. in your, in your energy by starting the process because you're prepared 
you've entered into this and you're prepared for it. And then you have this miracle in your arms that with a support system and with God's love and guidance, and you get to begin this life together. And that's so beautiful. I've got to watch that um, unfold and, and see, and it's just so beautiful to hear you and share that story and provide that hope and, and, and see your little one grow up. And then, and now you have two. So go into like, I mean, was God like, I know, I mean, you shared with me before we started, you kind of knew that you wanted a sibling for. Yeah. So, um, I'll, and I'll also say this I'll, after adopting and whatnot, uh, for all the women out there, I remember after I, I adopted him and, you know, had been parenting or whatnot. I, I was like, this child is so much mine. Like I have zero desire or need to like physically give birth. Right. Like that was just something that I didn't like, he was, he's so much mine. And I'm like, I don't need to physically go through that. And it was shortly around the, in the pandemic, it's funny, a, a documentary came out uh, called babies and they were doing some testing of some sort, but basically scientifically found that they would take, I think tested the uh, like pheromone levels of adoptive parents and even, even dads, like after a female gave birth, like the firm, I think it's pheromones, like level in the dad and the mom and they were equal, right? Like, so as soon as you take on responsibility of parenting or choosing to parent a child, like that's it chemically, physically, like you're it. Right. So I was just kind of like one of those like scientifically that backed up like what I was feeling and what I knew that um, I'm like, Hey, just because I didn't physically give birth, like this child is so much, you know, like a part of me. So, um, but I, I knew all along that if I adopted one, uh, if I adopted once, I would probably adopt again, unless like, again, God's plans of the husband and him having children or, us having a biological child happened, but, um, I don't want there to be too much space between kids and I wasn't getting any younger. So I, when my oldest turned two, I started the whole process again. And actually in between all that, I moved to Pennsylvania. <laughs> right. Right. Because you came back to the DC area with your, you know, support system that you had there. And, and then, I mean, I, cause I know your sister lived nearby. Like, so you just had like a lot of support there. And then so you did move back to Pennsylvania and have a job there. You were able to go. Mm -hmm. My company, a position opened up. Um, and at the time, my oldest sister and her family lived in, in that area. And I just like DC was wonderful and I loved it, but like cost of living. And I was in a one bedroom condo with a loft. Um, so an opportunity to move with my company came available and I took it. And then what's crazy is over like, then my parents moved a year later to the same town. And then last year, my other sister moved to the same town. So I'm like, now we're all here and it all worked out. But yeah, so, but I, like, again, it was just those things like at that time, like God had those people there with me, supporting me. And then now, you know, it just looks different, but, and I'm so thankful for a uh, attached to garage <laughs> with getting two kids in, in the car in the morning. But yeah, so. Um, when my oldest turned two, I started the process again. And uh, what was interesting, this go around, it was a lot slower. COVID changed a lot with the adoption world. Um, so whereas like with my oldest, I was seeing cases very like, I'd say on average, like two to four a week, um, where with my youngest, I would see a case and then it would be a month until I saw another case. Uh, so I started the whole, you know, 
presenting and this, that, and the other. So it was from starting home study with him until when he was born at 16 months with the first, it was, it was 10, even with that failed placement. Um, so it was, it was kind of cool. I, uh, my oldest was born on July 3rd and three years and two days later, July 5th, my youngest was born. I'm like, I couldn't have planned this. I couldn't plan this even if it was biologic child. Um, but yeah, so I, um, and I, they, there's scenarios where they call them stork drops, uh, where baby's born and then you, then you find out about them, um, or adoption plan is chosen at the hospital. And, um, that's what happened with my youngest. Um, so I was at work and got an email from the same attorney that I adopted my first one through, um, with a, with a baby boy that had been born and his mom had been wanting an adoption plan and had three different plans before of placing him with family or family friend and whatnot. It didn't happen. And so she got to the hospital and said, I need an, I need an agency here, an attorney here when I, after I give birth, because that's what I want for his life. Um, so I got his case after he was born, like at four o'clock on a Wednesday and I read it and I'm, I was like, I just felt deep down, like, this is it. This is it. And so I had an hour to write the mom a letter and get to my my oldest daycare and I had a half hour drive. So I had a half hour to write this mom a letter. <laughs> um, so I'm like sitting in a car, typing it up and send it off. And um, yeah. And then I got home that night and I was so confident that this would be it that I said, and they were taking books to the mom that night at the hospital. I was like, well, it'd be crazy to start packing, uh, but I can get laundry done because we had just been away for the, for the 4th of July. We've been away. And, um, I told my oldest, I said, listen, if mommy isn't here in the morning, cause if like she got books that night and like picked right away, like I could be on a plane first thing in the morning. Um, I said, I, I was confident enough to tell a three-year-old, uh, a newly three-year-old if mommy's not here in the morning, it's cause I want to go get a baby because him and I nightly would pray for a baby brother or baby sister. Um, and he understood, right? Like he understood what it, what it meant. I mean, I think he thinks like maybe not that he thinks it now, but I'm like, that, that's how all babies come into families. Just Right. For sure. I know my daughter, my daughter thinks that babies come from the doctor. Right. And um, we haven't gotten to that conversation yet, but yeah, babies come from the doctor. Yeah. Um, that's funny. On this side note, uh, one of his daycare teachers was going to the same state where he was born and his brother was born and he, he was going on a vacation there and he goes, Oh, are you going to get a baby? <laughs> no, not all people that travel there <laughs> are going to get babies. That's the baby state, right? Yeah. Um, but anyway, so woke up, hadn't heard anything. He had a doctor, his like career checkup. I'm like, went to the doctor, took him to the doctors, dropped him at daycare, started my work day. And um, I talked to my boss that morning. He had called, I'm in sales. So like he had called him like, hey, by the way, there's a mom considering me right now for a baby that's born. So she picks me like I need to be on a plane. He's like, okay, just, you know, like, let me know. Then like six minutes later, I got a text saying it's down to you and another family. And then shortly after that, the attorney called me. And again, same attorney I worked with, with my oldest, which was also like a sweet blessing that, cause I just was familiar with her. And she said, lady, when can you get here? So uh, that go around, my oldest sister and I jumped on a plane and he was discharged to me by 10 PM. I got to the hospital around nine and he was discharged, discharged to me an hour later. <laughs> and then, and we checked into a hotel. <laughs> so like, I'm like, 
I started my day with my three-year-old at the doctor's and I ended it in a hotel with a newborn. Oh my gosh. Yeah, but it was great. Well, just the enormity of that and like the full circle-ness of that and how just how divine that ended up um, working out and coming together for you. And you've been there before, you've done it. So, you know, it's not like I don't have any expectations, but go ahead. Yeah, it's one thing I said all along, like I was very open to a stork drop given the failed placement the first go around. I'm like, I'm totally fine with like, just a, hey, get here. There's, you know, for as a second time, adoptive parent like I was I was very comfortable with it and it worked out and it happened so I don't know it was like little bits of like like you say kind of like divine is gracious like I I really wanted another summer maternity leave um same that happened my sister my oldest sister was the one that was like planning to go with me and she had actually scheduled off the week the next week and didn't have anything planned. Like she just was off. Uh, so she only had to end up having to take one day off work. Uh, she was able to jump on the plane and go with me. And yeah. So, and then my other sister, uh, that, you know, uh, had a vacation planned and rerouted and yeah. So it was, it was sweet. Wow. And so now you have this beautiful, happy life in Pennsylvania with your two adoptive boys who are yours and to, um, you have this beautiful family. And so it kind of just brings it all full circle because parenting and motherhood looks different for everyone, but a family is a family and you share that bond and that connection. And it's an option. It's a way for people to be able to parent, um, whether you are a single mother or you are um, a couple looking to adopt or you've been through fertility or not. I mean, it is something that is out there um, and it has its ups and downs. It has its emotional toll that the same thing that, um, you know, any fertility journey really can present and can have. Um, And I just think it's a beautiful, a beautiful way to be able to share something and share a story you know, not only the fertility aspect, but the spirituality aspect and how you were led and you leaned into your faith and you lead into leaned into, you know, what the plan was for you, even though we can question it and be like, what the heck are you talking about? Um, God, spirit, like what is going on here? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Which you need to lean on in parenting as like any, anybody would, the parents knows, like it's, you just continues, right? For sure, for sure. And now are you um, open to any more children or, or, I mean, I know you kind of shared a little bit about what if, you know? Um, yeah, I um, I personally am not gonna pursue the adoption process again on my own, um, but mm-hmm. I am very much open to having, like, like if I would get find um, somebody and he had children, um, and then we blended our families, like that would be, I'd be totally open to more children that way. Or like if my, either one of my son's birth parents, you know, got pregnant again and wanted an adoption plan, which I don't know if they would or wouldn't, but, um, if they did, like, I would have a hard time saying no to a biological sibling of either one of theirs, which we cross that path when we come to it. So, um, yeah, so I'm not going to say no, but I, I'm not pursuing it on my own. And it's funny, my oldest, 
my oldest will often be like, just one more, just one more. And I say, that's between you and God. You've got to pray about that. <laughs> now, are you, um, do you keep in touch? Um, I know adoption and the time after adoption can look very different um, depending on how that's set up and what guidelines are going. So are you, um, is this like something that's open or do you keep in contact with the birth mother? Yeah, so everyone has different definitions of kind of like open, closed, or whatnot. More and more in this day and age, like all adoptions usually are open. Like me, and open can simply mean like they know who you are and you know who they, they are. Um, but I have a more open where I do communicate with both of my son's birth moms, one of their birth fathers. Um, and I, it's one of those things where like, I will, I want as much as I, as much of a relationship with them as they are willing to. Um, but I know on their end, there's a lot of emotions and it's hard. Um, so like, whereas one of them, like said, they wanted yearly visits and I'm very much open to yearly visits, but she, like, she's just hasn't been, hasn't been ready for that or wanted that yet. So like, she thought like, everyone thinks going into it, maybe like what they want, but that could be volatile and change throughout the years, I think. So I'm just, I'm open. Um, and sometimes we are very communicative. Other times we're not, um, uh, the oldest has biological siblings with another adoptive family and we, we have gotten together a few times. So that's been fun. Um, both of them know like as much as they can understand that they're adopted, um, and that's how they, they were in another woman's belly and they chose me to be mom. And it's cool. Like, I think at a very young age, even the oldest, like by two, like understood that and whatever in his two-year-old brain as he could. Um, I have photos of both of them in, in their bedrooms, like me, their birth mom and, and them like in a frame in their rooms, like that will always be like, and we pray for them every night, like. So they're, they're very much a part of our conversation and their lives. Well, that is so beautiful. And I mean, it really drives home what spiritual fertility is all about. And I am going to wrap it up because I know that you need to move on. My computer battery is um, kind of running out. So <laughs> that's another reason to wrap it up. But I just want to thank you so much for coming on and sharing your story and uh, being able to provide that that guidance or that hope or that inspiration because somebody someday might listen to this and this might be the nudge that they need to answer their call um, to pursue something that's outside of what they had planned. And that's really the intention coming full circle too, that we have to be open because things can look differently than what we have planned, but to kind of follow that path along the way. And for um, anybody who's listening, please subscribe to Sp Spiritual Fertility, share this episode uh, with a friend, uh, write a review because that will allow um, this platform to get into more people's ears um, and eyes um, and grow along the way. So thank you so much, Alexis. Yeah, thanks for having me on. And I remember after the first one, I said, I don't know why I didn't do this sooner. So there's hmm. some, it's scary, but it's the best thing that ever happened to me, so. Yeah, I mean, being a mom is, yeah. it's the greatest gift for sure. And through this process, I, I mean, with me, it's similar for the fertility journey, you just, appreciate every little moment because you know 
how difficult and how that journey was to get there and to get them and, and how that is just so beautiful. And so continue on with your beautiful loves and um, we will talk again soon. Yeah, good to see you. Thank you for having me on.